Well, grace and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus, who is risen from the dead. Amen. Uh, let's open up to Romans chapter 6. We're starting in verse 15 today. And just want to kind of clue you in what's happening. We've spent a lot of time talking about the nature of salvation, how it comes to people. And now uh, St. Paul is kind of comparing and contrasting the old life that is dead, crucified in Christ, to the new life that is raised with Christ. And so that's where we're at, and he'll employ, uh, in particular, the imagery and the thought of slavery. Uh, so this is beginning in verse 15. Uh, if you don't have a journal, it's Pew, page, uh, Pew Bible, page 943. Uh, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves from the one whom you obey? Uh, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, God, for your holy word. So, you may uh, have heard this in a song once. Bob Dylan wrote and sang, Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Uh, we kind of... Um, don't like the idea of the picture of slavery, right? We don't like that idea. And especially, we don't like the idea that we would be slaves to anybody. So it's very hard for us to grasp in a positive sense what Paul is talking about here in regards to slavery. Um, and in fact, Paul even says, I'm speaking in, in human terms because of your limitation. So he admits that the image of slavery maybe is not perfect for us to consider, and yet, it does teach us something about our new life in Christ. And I think Bob Dylan helps us a little bit to understand this too. We want to think of ourselves as totally free people, right? I'm autonomous. I'm a law to myself. Uh, no one tells me what to do. I am an American for, after all, right? So we don't like this idea of being ruled by anything or anyone. Um, but here, Jesus as well as St. Paul says, uh, anyone who is sinning is a slave to sin. That you may think you are free, but you're not. 
you, you're enslaved to that power that's over you. Uh, and all people who are not in Christ are necessarily enslaved to sin. Right? They're default enslaved to sin. They cannot free themselves. Um, we get this picture also in Genesis, right, where Cain and Abel are there, and God says to Cain that sin wants to rule over you, but you must rule over it. But he goes into the slavery of being ruled by sin, and in fact, he kills his own brother in the story, and it rules over him, it ruins his life. And so we're going to kind of think about this and look through this passage and just really see this uh, teaching that he's offering to us as we look at what does it mean to be alive in Christ? What is the difference? What's the distinction as opposed to dead? Or what does it mean to be free in Christ as opposed to enslaved uh, to sin? And hopefully we will find some courage for our battle in Christ. And so let's look at this text again. So he says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know? That if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. I want you to kind of focus on this verse. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So I want you to notice two things about this. First of all, he's shifting to talk about sin or obedience in a positive sense. We hate the idea of sin or uh, slavery because in slavery, in our minds, who's the master? Right? The master is a tyrant. The master is violent. Uh, if you don't do what your slave master tells you to do, what happens to you? You get beat up, right? You get uh, taken out of you. You get punished. And so there's this slavery that's run by coercion, right? It's run by force. And that used to be how we were, right? In, in sin, past tense, you used to be enslaved by sin. It used to be a master that ruled over you and was a tyrant over you. But he says, now, thanks be to God, you have been set free and have become obedient from the heart, and so this is not a typical form of slavery because slaves are generally not obedient from the heart. They are obedient because of coercion and force. But we who are in Christ, we have been won over by a new master and obedient from the heart with joy. We're like, yeah, I'll absolutely serve Jesus. And why is that? Well, what kind of a master comes and serves his servants? Or what kind of a master would die to set his servants free? Right? This is the Jesus that has been revealed to us, that this Jesus who comes to do everything for us, even when we weren't lovely, we weren't lovable, we were slaves, we were enemies, children of wrath, the Bible says. This is when Jesus came to free us and to give his life. Right? He has pledged himself to you in blood. Right? What else could he possibly do to show you his great love for you? And so because we have seen this, we are no longer slaves. Right? We're, we're obedient from the heart to this Jesus because we say, 
not only am I going to trust that he has forgiven all my sins, which he has, but I'm also going to trust him with the rest of my days, with the rest of my life. I'm going to trust him with my body and with my money and with my words. With everything I have, I'm going to entrust myself to this master because he is so good. The second thing I want you to see in this verse is that uh, this is what's called the divine passive. So we have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching. That standard is the word of Christ to which you were committed. So it's not that you got up one day and you said, I'm going to commit myself to this, but you were committed to this standard of teaching. It happened to you. So this is a divine passive because who's the actor in this sentence? Who is this, the person doing the stuff? It's God, right? God took you, enslaved to sin, unable to free yourself, and he brought you under the gentle lordship of Jesus Christ. He committed you to the standards of teaching uh, in the scriptures, right? He committed you to that. And of course, we should reflect on our baptisms as that moment where this happened. This is just what St. Paul, Paul has said just prior to this, that we have been crucified with Christ. We will raise, be raised with him. We have been included in his work. This is how we were included in Christ. We were committed by God to the standard of teachings that we now follow from the heart. So the kind of slavery here is one that we willingly walk into. Uh, it's one that says, yeah, I'll, I'll trust Jesus even above my own self uh, because of his righteousness, because of his goodness, and because God has handed us over to this rule in our lives. So it goes on, uh, 18, it says, And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. And then he says, I'm speaking in human terms, but if we jump down to verse 20, he talks about this fruit reality, this consequence reality. He says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Um, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And so this is the general uh, argument he's making is you have been freed from sin. And then he's asking you to reflect on the reality of when you obeyed sin, how was it going for you in your life? Right? When you were a slave to sin, how, how were you being treated? And was it a good path of life for you? And he says, no, now you're ashamed of those things. And in fact, those things, the fruit of those things is death. The wages of sin is death, he'll say later. And then he contrasts it to this new way of life in Christ. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit, the outcome that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And so if you look at the way of life, right, it looks to be a certain way, right? But what kind of consequences come from that way of life? Can you zoom out in your life and think that way? Can you think about how will this end up for me? How will this end up for my children? How will this end up for my grandchildren? Can you see uh, the fruit of the different ways of life? And so that brings us to kind of a, a teaching, an axiom that I want you to kind of grasp onto for this text. And uh, I want you to read this with me. Uh, freedom in Christ looks like slavery to unbelievers, but it is actually freedom. And rebellion against Christ 
looks like freedom to unbelievers, but is actually slavery. And so we have this uh, difference going on, right? And I find this to be almost always true. And so we're going to kind of see how uh, slavery to sin looks like freedom to the world. Uh, and slavery to Christ looks like slavery to the world, even though it's true freedom. And so we're going to walk through just a few ideas uh, how that applies to us. And so first of all, if you think about the teachings of Jesus, right? Jesus says in the gospel today, if you remain in me, you are truly my disciples, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is nothing other than the third commandment, right? And dear Christians, what is the third commandment? That we should honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We should pause in our lives to hear God's word and to dwell with his promises, to gather with Christians around his table, right? And so to the world, they're like, what are you doing on Sunday? <laughs> Where, what are you doing with your time? This is Sunday fun day, right? Sunday's the, you got to get up what time? You know, you all get sleep in, but early service, they get up at like 6.30, right, to come to church. But to the world, it looks like, what a crazy use of your time. I'm, I'm going to be my own master. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I don't need a God to tell me I'm forgiven. Like, I don't need any of that. I want to be, I'm going to be free from that burden, and I'm going to get away from God's word, and I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to make my own right or wrong and lead my own life, and that's how I'm going to, I'm going to use my Sunday to rest, right, to sleep in, to watch more TV. That's really what I want to do with my life. So it looks like slavery, like you know, these Christians going to church, and they're hearing God's word, and they're binding themselves to what he says. It looks like slavery, but it's truly freedom, right? As Jesus says, then you'll truly be free, right? If you remain in my word, you will be free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so Christians, we say, no, what I really need rest from, and I don't just need physical rest, I need rest from the burden of my sin, right? I need rest from the voice in my head that accuses me all the time and keeps me up. I need rest from my sinful actions against my family, against myself, against my God. I need to hear the words, you are forgiven. And that's where I rest. Or I need rest from the reality of death. I need rest from the idea that nothing in this life matters because we're all just heading off a cliff. I need rest from the meaninglessness of this world where the world just tells me I need to anesthetize myself, right, and just do whatever feels good just so I don't have to think about big picture questions. I need rest from all of that. I need the promise of the resurrection spoken into my heart where Jesus says everywhere else in your life you're going to have to labor and labor and labor and in the end you're going to return to the dust from whence you came. But in the resurrected body of Christ, Everything is finished, and you can rest in his promises that are true, as true to you as the day when Christ rose from the dead himself. And that's what I need. I'm not, I'm not burdened by this. I'm freed. I've been given a new life. I've been given forgiveness. I've been given a promise that upholds me. I'm free. True slavery 
uh, is when the world has its teeth in us and when we're always thinking, I have to make it my own way and I'll never get forgiveness and I don't know what's going to happen after death. See, people who have that as their internal doctrine are not free, right? They're enslaved. Maybe they don't even see it. Similarly, Jesus uh, commands his disciples, uh, he commands them to repent. And this is all over the scriptures, right? He says, hey, uh, if you think you're any better (laughs) than these other people, you're wrong. You must also repent or perish, right? He says, repentance is laying down that error and turning and finding a new way of life, right? It's saying, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. I'm going to do this thing, right? It's a change of heart, a change of mind. And the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance. But to the world, the doc- one of the core doctrines of those who do not believe in Jesus and the, the doctrine of our era is never repent. Never repent. Never admit you're wrong. Never reconcile. Never come to terms with your problems. Uh, and so to the world, we look at Christians, the world would look at Christians and say, those people are crazy, right? They're always like humble and like letting go of their problems or admitting that they're sinners, right? They come and they repent of their sins week after week. It's like, isn't that bad for your self-esteem, people? Um, but truly, it's freedom for us. Uh, Christians are able to say, it was my fault, I was the problem. I was the burden. I see it now. I'm a poor, miserable sinner, and I need to do better. And thanks be to God, he forgives me. He picks me back up. He restores me, and he sends me out. I'm able to repent. In fact, the whole Christian life is repentance, is one of saying, yeah, I probably am not the one who has it right. It's probably Jesus. And the more I compare myself to him, the more I know that's true. And so I'm going to repent again and again. It looks like slavery because the world says never repent, right? Go your own way. Never own up to your responsibilities. I was listening to um, an Imagine Dragons song, and it's been out for a long time now, uh, but I thought it just perfectly encapsulated this sentiment. It says, why can't you understand that I'm never changing who I am? This is one of their refrains. I'm never changing who I am. And this is the doctrine of the unbelieving world. You are sovereign. You never change, right? You never admit to any fault or guilt. It's everyone else. (laughs) You're the right one. Everyone else is wrong. And we all know people who go down that way, and maybe we have gone down that way. And what is the fruit of that kind of way of life? Right? You burn all the bridges in your life. You offend everyone and never apologize. You don't have friends right? because you've severed those relationships. It goes right towards divorce if you're married because you never admit, I was actually in the wrong and needing to change. Right? But this is the doctrine of this world. Never change who you are. Never repent. And that's slavery. Right? And it leads to brokenness. It leads to being mastered by your sin. In Christ, we're free. Why? We're free to say, yeah, I'm broken. I need help. I'm the worst sinner. And yet God has had mercy on me. 
and I can try again. I can change. I can ask for forgiveness. I can die to my pride and live to the reality of who I really am. And so you don't have to be a liar, either to yourself or to others, because you are free in Christ by God's power. Uh, a really beautiful picture of this in the Gospels is Zacchaeus. Right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but he was also an extortionist, basically. And he would hold people hostage for their tax money that he could profit from. And so when Jesus got a hold of him, before that, he was enslaved to his greed. Everybody hated him. But when Jesus got a hold of him, he, he began to give his money away. He said, Lord, if I have defrauded anyone, I'm going to pay them back fourfold. And so the man who had no friends because he was a scoundrel and enslaved to greed now was generous, and do you think he had friends after that? You see, he had been freed from the power of greed and sin in his life, and Jesus now ruled him, and he was a generous person. A final thought for us is um, Jesus commands his disciples to forgive. And I think this is one of Jesus' hardest teachings. In fact, if you read uh, in the Gospels where Jesus talks about this uh, the most, in particular in the Gospel of Matthew uh, 18, he, he tells this parable of the unforgiving servant, right? The servant who is forgiven by his master when he was in debt by an incredible sum, but then he chokes his, his servant when his servant won't pay him back. And he says, you must forgive from the heart uh, or else my father will not forgive you. I think it's one of Jesus' most difficult teachings. But the, the reality is he's saying either you're going to live in the kingdom where there's no mercy, where you're held accountable for every stinking little thing you've ever done wrong, and you're going to hold others accountable in the same regard, or you're going to live in the kingdom of mercy where God gives his son to die on the cross for you and forgives you this enormous debt and you too go and forgive in the same way. And you can't have it both ways. And I kind of want it both ways, right? I want all of God's mercy for me and I want none of God's mercy for other people <laughs> if they've hurt me. And Jesus says you can't be like that anymore. And to the world, it looks like slavery, right? To the unbelieving, it looks like slavery because the doctrine of this world is never forgive, never forget, cancel. If someone hurts you, you hurt them back. Get vengeance. Release your anger. If someone's offended you, you get after them, right? Don't take it. You got to fight. We hear this in our country songs too, right? Uh, what is it? Like if someone cheats on you, uh, you go and break their four by four, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> you get a baseball bat, right? And this is all over. If you listen carefully to uh, the music that is being pumped into our heads, a lot of it is about revenge. It's about hoping other people get what's coming to them. And if you look and watch television, the entire industry of daytime judging television, right, is based on this idea. We just can't wait to see someone get what's coming to them. Um, but the reality is that way of life is slavery. And it's sin. 
It's a victory for Satan when we refuse to forgive. When we think, I'm going to stay angry and bitter in my heart. I'm going to drink battery acid, and I'm going to think it's going to hurt someone else. I'm going to stay angry and bitter all my life. I'm never going to forgive people, right? And I want others to get what's coming to them. And this kind of heart is captive to this. And many of us have been captive to this kind of thing where we just cannot imagine ourselves forgiving someone. And so we remain bitter and anger rules over us. And Jesus says, you've got to let it go. You're a slave to righteousness now. You've got to let that go. You have to see the enormity of the forgiveness, the grace of God on your behalf, and you've got to say, I'm also going to release the anger, release the violence. I'm going to live as much as I am able. I'm going to live in peace with all people. Or as Jesus says, I'm going to pray for those who have persecuted me. I'm going to turn my cheek if they strike me. Uh, if they steal from me, I'm going to give them more things. And if they force me to walk a mile, I will walk an extra mile with them. Why? Because no longer am I a slave to vengeance. Right? God has been so gracious and so merciful to me that I see violence just keeps going. There's no end. But God ended it in the cross. Right? God ended the vengeance of humanity in the cross. That's where he condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus and reconciled with you. And we too are ambassadors of that reconciliation. Uh, God calls us to be free from vengeance and to embrace uh, the life of forgiveness. And so we see uh, these commands from Jesus and the world can look at them and say, that's terrible slavery. But the reality is it's incredible freedom. We are free in Christ. We are not bound by these things anymore. We are not slaves to these things, but we learn to live in a new pattern of life based off the pattern of Jesus. And it doesn't save us. We've already been saved, right? But it is what our God commands us to do and how to walk in this life. Um, to end, I want to show you the patron saint of the Irish, right? St. Patrick. Uh, St. Patrick was a slave twice in his life. And so he grew up in Britain he was a young person in Britain, and uh, there was a raiding group of uh, Irish people were from the area of Ireland, and they came and they took him as slave. They enslaved him, and they took him away from his family, tore him away from his family, and took him to Ireland and, and forced him into servitude. He was a herdsman for uh, many years. And while he was there, uh, he began to take his faith seriously, apparently, and, and start to think about what it meant to be uh, someone who belonged to Jesus and what Jesus had done. And so uh, in his suffering, he grew greatly as a Christian. Uh, and finally, he had a dream um, that there was a ship waiting for him to take him to freedom. And so he um, followed the dream and he, he ran away that night and he found there was a ship waiting to go back to Britain. And so he boarded that ship and he was free. He went back there. And then a few years later, after being in Britain, being free, not free from suffering, he had a hard life, but after uh, years of being in Britain, he had another dream, and the dream was of people in Ireland begging him to come back. And so this man who had been, become free uh, from human t tyranny, 
uh, free from the slavery that tore him away from his family. He could have been filled with rage and bitterness, but he was instead filled with compassion. And so he actually got back on a boat and went back to Ireland and began to preach the gospel. And he began to baptize people into the kingdom of Jesus. And he began to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commands. And now we know him uh, as St. Patrick, the, the patron saint of Ireland, the one who brought the gospel to bear on the whole continent. And his, he was amazingly uh, productive in his life. But he was a slave to Christ. No longer a slave to earthly powers, no longer a slave to sin. He had become a slave to righteousness, which brought forth good fruit. Uh, can you say, I am a slave? Can you own that? Can you say, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a slave? I'm a slave to Jesus, my master calls me into a new way of life. Can you own that reality of your baptized life? St. Paul did. Uh, in the beginning of uh, the book of Romans, he introduces himself, Paul, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we too are slaves now, uh, but it is not to our shame, it is to our glory. And so may the Spirit help you to be not enslaved to sin, uh, not to bow down to the reign of sin, but instead to bow down to the slavery, to the reign of Jesus, who is forever exalted and blessed and good. Amen.